the bird, despite the fact that it was, everything was against us, it was wet and one thing or another, um, took off and chased and caught um, a hen pheasant. Um, but on the other side of the stream, on the other side of this little valley, suddenly there's a tumble and they ended up in the, in the water. Um, and obviously I'm quite alarmed at that, but couldn't quickly get to them. Hey, how's it going, everyone? And welcome back for another episode of the Falconry Told podcast and also the conclusion of this Cape Falconry Club series. Thank you all for tuning in each episode of the series. I really hope that you enjoyed it, got something out of it. And I'm very thankful again to the Cape Falconry Club for the privilege of being able to help bring their falconry stories out to the rest of the wider world be some memories that I'll live with for the rest of my life. So once again, thank you all for that. And also thank you again to the Falconry Heritage Trust and their role helping make this series happen as well. Without their small grant to help pay for some of the airfare and travel expenses and things associated with this trip, it probably wouldn't have been able to happen. So thank you again to them. And if you wish to find out more about their organization and maybe help donate to their cause of helping to continue to preserve falconry heritage around the world just head to falconryheritage.org and also a big thank you to bobby yaga crafts out of poland for their continued support if you haven't had a chance to check out any of their really nice products yet i really highly recommend you do so you can get their contact information off our website at falconrytold.com or check them out at Bobby Yaga Goshawk on Instagram. Some really great stuff. Really makes some nice anklets and jesses and, and some other equipment. And as I stated before, it's all handmade, really nice quality stuff. So I highly recommend you check them out. If you haven't yet, you definitely won't regret it. And in this second bonus episode of the Cape Falconry Club series, we conclude the series with another falconer from the UK who is also in attendance at the meet, being Steve Eastwood. And in this conversation, we talk about flying Harris Hawks and also some other things that I find interesting because we can't really do them here in the United States, which is using ferrets and falconry and things like that. So once again, thank you all so very much for sticking with us during our travels. And I hope you have really enjoyed this series and found it as informative and entertaining as I did while I was recording all these episodes with these really awesome falconers. So thank you all again for continuing to listen. And here in the coming weeks, we'll be switching up gears a little bit here and have some other cool conversations for you to hear and also be starting another couple series for you all as well. So in the meantime, enjoy this last episode of the Cape Falconry Club series with Steve Eastwood. Here we go. Well, nice to meet you, Steve. I'm glad that uh, we could manage to make something of the day <laughs> Yeah, so sure. far. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, as we were talking about earlier, this um, this week won't be a, a complete washout. You know, I, uh, I hope that um, there will be at least one day that we can see some birds fly anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think the uh, South African falconers are fairly... Uh, robust in their, uh, you know, how they will fly and the conditions that they'll fly in, the, the, they're adventurous. Obviously. <laughs> I um, I was telling uh, Tian and, and some of these other guys earlier, I was just like, well, I, uh, I commend you all because, you know, we're, I mean, I consider us pretty, you know, avid, you know, hardcore, you know, falconers where I'm from. I mean, we go at it pretty you know, pretty regularly and pretty hard. And, but if there's lightning outside, you're probably not going to see us out. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and here we are driving around in these muddy back roads and these farms and it's lightning. And, and, um, yeah. So has this been kind of your ex uh, experience the time that you've been out here? Or? Um, the, the weather this time, it's a little bit earlier in winter, I think. So we're, we're hitting the wet bad weather and i think they've had a, an unusual season um where it's where there's been a lot of rain unusually so 
Um, maybe that's global warming. I don't. I don't know. But um, I've been here before, and um, and the weather was a lot kinder. We saw some tremendous flights, and, and you know, memorable flights. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm like you. Wind, rain. Yeah, we can cope with when it's as it as heavy as it is here, and um, and thunder and lightning. Maybe not safe. <laughs> not safe to be on hills and open land. Um, yeah, and even snow. You know, I think nothing of flying in the snow. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's all just kind of part of it. Yeah, I mean, we we both come from areas where that's pretty regular in our climates, and mm-hmm. and honestly, I mean, I don't know about you, but I usually look forward to snow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's another another facet. It's another interesting, you know, problem to deal with. But uh, I think the old the old saying of um, there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad clothing. <laughs> Well, I I think I agree with that up until a point, up until a point, you know, as far as, well, if you're getting struck by lightning, I can't really think of, uh, I can't really think of much clothing that's going to. Yeah, Parker's just not going to come up. (laughs) No, no. I mean, even if you just encased yourself in, you know, (laughs) full rubber suit and everything else, you know, that kind of electricity, you're not going to be really, you know, it's not going to do much. No, no. No. Yeah, but, um, well, I mean, so this is kind of another unique chance, at least, to, I'm, I'm glad, like I said, we could kind of salvage the morning a little bit and, um, you know, fit a couple of recordings in while there's not really a whole lot mm-hmm. going on. And, and you know, I know uh, from the perspective of being an outsider looking in and being, you know, this is my first time here. Mm-hmm. I've, I've not been to South Africa, Africa, you know, I've, I've not been on this continent before. Yes, yes. So, I mean, what have your, I mean, you, you mentioned that you've been here before and, you know, you have mutual acquaintances like as, as do I. Yeah, and yeah. so, I mean, it's kind of a unique chance to get a, a conversation in with another Falconer also from another country mm-hmm. that kind of, you know, just to kind of talk a little bit about, you know, some of the things you've seen here and like what it would have been some of the really, cool and fascinating things that, that you've had a chance yeah, you know, to sure. witness personally and stuff. So, Well, I, I, I think w- the one the one glaring thing is that in the UK, there's very little structure to, to falconry mm-hmm. or those that, are, you know, those that are practicing falconry. In South Africa, that's very, very different and it's very structured, which I think is fantastic that, you know, they're allowed to do that and tie in with the conservation needs of the... Uh, of the government um and it does it does seem to work very well um i sometimes think we need a little more structure in the uk because it's in the uk pretty much you go and buy a bird captive bred bird um and it doesn't matter what experience what knowledge and people resort to learning from youtube or whatever social media which is not really helpful because at the end of the day, it's the bird's welfare that's that's paramount. Yeah. Um, so I do like what I've seen of the the South African um, the club system, where you've, to be a member of a club, you've got to have that support around you, and you've got to be in some way scrutinised as to as to how you how you're performing, how you're behaving. Um, and I say, I think really that that is um, something that the UK. I don't think they've got the will to do it, but I think that would be a real advantage, and maybe uh, just uh, uh, formalise what falconers are doing, because it can be it can be many things from keeping birds badly and or performing very well with birds. Um, but uh, I think the thing here is, uh, there's such vast open areas that, you know, it's, uh, the, the, certainly the long wing flying is, uh, is impressive. Um, cool. yeah, no, and, and I know the, the first thing that kind of caught my eye whenever I first landed 
and just saw just a basic layout of how the land is here and stuff. I thought it was very interesting. I mean, I've been places where, you know, you've got ocean. I've been places where you've Mm -hmm. got mountains. And I've been places where, you know, you have both, but you have to drive a ways to see both. But I haven't been anywhere before really where you've got one right next to the other. You know, you've got, you know, and and it's been – it's been a really nice combination of, of scenery here. And, you know, I, I figure, you know, yeah, I, it's, there's, it's weird because there's been places so far over the few days that I've been here where it's like, okay, well, this area kind of reminds me of parts of Idaho or like this area yeah. reminds me of parts of, you know, this, that, and the other, but, but there's always little differences though. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I mean, where you fly in the UK, I mean, what do you have mainly to deal with there? Well, it's a, a lot more enclosed, so, uh, you know, and um, lands at a premium, really. Um, not the vast open spaces that are here, and I, and I guess, you know, in, in, in the States. Um, a, lot of, um, a lot of the farms, they refer to the farms here, and they're miles and miles across, you know, but, you know, in, in the UK we're talking about acres rather than hectares and miles um very enclosed lots of woodland but a good range of grassland and crops and and things like that to fly fly over um quarry wise game birds pheasant partridge um and ground game uh, hares and, and rabbits um, are the main quarry for, for most falconers in the UK. Um, the big thing is um, getting permission to fly on that land. Personally, I would never go on land and without permission because I just think it's just a bad, um, a, a bad account of falconry to just go onto somebody's somebody's land. And in the past, I've owned land, and certainly I would have been very upset if somebody just felt that they could just uh, treat it as though it was their own. Um, so, yeah, getting access to good land that's holding quarry is always um, challenging, and I think most falconers are always on the lookout for the next piece of permission that they might go to. Yeah, and I and I can imagine, especially you know, having done you know, like I was telling you earlier, the, like the series for the UK, and mm-hmm. and um, you know, talking to so many people there, it's a very common theme. Yeah. And you know, I mean, from having to even just not only just get permission, but then sometimes having to pay, you know, to yeah. have privileges to hunt on said land and and everything else, and and not only that, but you're dealing with with so many different people is, is competition for very small, you know, little sections of, of possible places to hunt. And, um, remind me again, where you're from, is it in North Yorkshire, North Yorkshire? So in the North of England. Okay. Um, very rural area. Fortunately, if you pick the right quarry, a a lot of landowners are quite happy for you to, uh, you know, to go on there. Um, but I have a thing of um, if I I always ask the first question: Can I could I come on and and fly my bird on here? And the, the next question would be: Does anybody else come on here, either shooting or or flying birds? And if somebody's flying birds, I'll say, okay, there's somebody on here, and just leave. You know, I'll move on, and and rather than um, feel that. It could be shared, and sometimes it's the land. You know, it's the landowner's decision if he, if he wants people on. But I think our fairness, our fair doing people a fair deal. If somebody's already got the permission, I'll back away every time. Um, so, not everybody is going to have that same approach, but that's a little thing that I've I would do and. Um, I say I would never go on land without permission. I would never encroach on somebody else's permission um, unless I was invited to. 
um, and then it'll go. And I'm quite happy to take part in, you know, little field meets or meetings and, and watch other people's bird flyers just as much as mine. Um, well, and being in more like northern England, then do you also try and hunt any in Scotland or some of the surrounding areas at all? I, be, I don't go up to Scotland. Uh, sorry, I have been up to Scotland and I've, and I've flown and, and had some good good experiences up there where the land is a little bit more open um, and and a bit more extensive for you to fly. Um, I've flown in Ireland, um, come over to Ireland and taken part in um, field meets there. Again, good fun, good fun. And of course we can we can if unlike here, we can take our birds and uh, there's always uh, an amount of pleasure in uh, being able to put your birds I suppose on show and and <laughs> you know show what they can do and and you know how well how well or how badly the trend you know one thing that I really have kind of been surprised about is some of their policies here in South Africa as far as just um you know, their inability to just take a bird across, you know, yeah. borders and yeah. stuff. Because, I mean, you know, as you probably know, you know, in the States, I mean, there are some states that if you do bring a, a bird across, you know, into certain states, they want you to kind of have a, a, a clean bill of health from a, mm -hmm. from a vet or something. Not all states are, you know, require those things. But, like, for the most part, we can go from state to state and be just fine and it's not an issue. And, I mean, as long as we have hunting licenses and appropriate things, yeah, in, yeah. you know, in other states. But... But I, I'm kind of like it's it's kind of been surprising a little bit to learn how you know they do things here to some degree. But if the if it works for them, if it you know, and I'm not one for having a system just be, for the point of having a system. But if the system seems to work, and and, and it generally, I think it does. I'm, and I'm sure there'll be loopholes that people could explore if they wanted to. But um, and, you know, I think I think it's that thing about being open about the um, about what what your activity is. Um, in the UK, quite an anti-hunting movement, um, and some you know, I sort of I, I feel sometimes we've got we we shouldn't try to be secretive or to hide what we're doing, but we should say no, this is what we're doing, and you tell us what is wrong with that you know because i think i think um i say the anti-hunting movement don't particularly understand and if we don't tell them you know how will they understand you know they don't have to agree but at least we get some sort of common common ground and generally where i in the area i'm hunting um have very few people that would would strongly criticize what you were doing if you explain it to them. In fact, most of the time, they're, they're just a little bit more interested. And so what happens then and what happens then, you know, full of questions and sort of go away. And I, I think at, at least you've represented the, you know, falconry in as best as you can. Um, but yeah, here, I think it, you know, I do like their system. I do like their system. I like that the, I like that there's an amount of control that's, it's required, but it's also that implication that we can be open about, or that you know the falconers here can be open about what what they're doing, and and um, and that it fits in with the the conservation um, for the area, which is a big thing for here. Yeah, for sure, and. Yeah, I mean, as as I've had the discussions before, even even as you know, soon as last night, you know, with with Andre, and you know, I mean, it's it's impossible to have a perfect system, mm -hmm. and you know, you can just like you said, it, it it works for them. You know, I mean, wherever whatever system works for whatever place, there's usually a reason for it, mm -hmm. and you know, you do your best to to tweak things and make them fit as as much as possible. 
But ultimately, yeah, I mean, there needs to be some degree of accountability and and you do want to control whatever narrative in a positive way so that, yeah, yeah. you know, you have a leg to stand on, you know, and, yeah. and um, you know, I and I'm, I think my experience has been kind of like yours, even people that have a preconceived notion, even if it's negative, once they get a chance to actually be included and if they're open-minded enough to actually give it a chance to at least see if it's really as bad as what they think it is or yeah. whatever, normally their minds change pretty quick. I mean, even if they don't necessarily agree with the final outcome and what you're trying to do, they think it's really incredible seeing this relationship between men or, you know, people and yes. men and women and their birds and, yes. and um, you know, what they're doing. So. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with that. That you know, to see the bond, to see the the cooperation with the with between the bird and the falconer, uh, and dogs, or you know, whatever you're using, but this they see that bond and they like it, and they get the if they do go and venture out with you and, and once what they they get to see some beautiful parts of the countryside that they probably never have access to. Um, and I have one land landowner where I have permission, and he, when I ask, when I've asked him, you know, sort of his his feelings about about the hunting, um, one of the things he said to me, and I thought, yeah, this is fair. That was fairly astute, fairly you know, poignant. And he said, I see falconry as the purest form of hunting. He said, it's not going out with a gun. It's not going out with a rifle. Um, stalking and all that sort of thing. It's an animal, one animal, a bird, against another animal. And the chance of failure for the, for the hawk or the falcon and fail, uh, you know, and success for the, for the quarry. Um, and I think a lot of times it's, it's in the quarry's favor that it's their territory. They're, you know, wearing sort of, um, you know, entering into their, their territory and 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 their way of life, and it does work well for them at times, you know. And and uh, some of some of the best flights I've had, without doubt, have been where the birds hatched, had no success, had a tremendous flight, but the quarry's got away because it's been it's outsmarted the bird or or whatever, or it's been just too good. And I just, um, I'm amazed at times and, and, you know, not quite to applauding because I've got a bird on my fist by that time. <laughs> but I feel that, you know, yeah, that's fair. That's fair game, you know, fair sport. Well, and I think that we all have moments where whether we would like to admit it or not, especially if it is our bird that's out of the box at that moment in time. Every so often, we do find ourselves rooting for that bunny yeah, or, yeah, or yeah. rooting for that because, you know, it's just putting on this just incredible display. And, you know, I think that's something that is kind of lost at times when people that are anti-whatever, you know, I mean, I think a lot of times they think that we don't like or we don't have any respect for... And this is maybe just, a, a, I don't know, it could be a misconception on my part. I don't, I don't know. But I think that people don't realize how much we respect what we're hunting. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, some of those, I'm kind of like you. One of the coolest things I've ever seen is is seeing, you know, a, a cottontail or a jackrabbit, you know, or whatever. Like some, how the, some of the ways they outmaneuver these yeah, hawks. Yeah. And, you know, they'll they'll wait until just last last second and they'll they'll leapfrog over yeah. you know and, and hurdle you know or whatever and and uh borderline somersault over these birds and stuff yeah. just to get away and and yeah i mean some of those things are really what makes you know your day sometimes as much as it, it's you know a bummer sometimes to not necessarily have anything in the bag i mean you come out of it with a great memory yeah that's right that's right and, uh, and again i've seen I, I virtually as you've described there you know and seen rabbits running up walls run along the top of the bird the bird sort of uh tries to catch it and it and it just either doubles back or jumps off the wall and, and goes the complete you know just completely uh you know throws the throws the bird offline you know and and, and i sort of think yeah that was clever that was so clever <laughs> by, by the 
like, like the bunny rabbit. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. It's like, it's, you know, you just really respect that. It's like, well, you know, how many times did that, did that, did that rabbit have to do that before? You know, yeah. I mean, how many times has it had to do that to learn that trick? And, yeah. you know, I mean, it's just, like I said, it's, it's incredible, but, but yeah, I mean, overall, yeah, like, you know, no system is perfect, but ultimately we just have to find our, our little niches and, and stuff and, and live yeah. within them and, and yeah. find a way to, to make it work. Yeah, yeah. With, without doubt. And as I say, I think if you can be open about what you're doing, I will tell people many times, come with me. It's not a secret. I'm not doing anything that mm -hmm. I would be ashamed of or you wouldn't be invited, you know, I'm sure. You know, it's a come and I'm quite quite happy and quite proud that if somebody wants wanted to come and and watch what was happening um yeah do it and i can explain everything and why and you know all the intricacies if they're really that interested but um i don't do any even with, even the landowners i will always 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 say to them come with me come with me mm -hmm. um i'm on your land you can see what i'm doing and then you know that because because their neighbours or vis other visitors to their land might think that's really uh, not the right thing. And at least, you know, the landowner will know that, uh, well, actually, what I've seen, it was it was fairly fairly good, you know, and it's not as you think it was. They might be able to even sort of defend us a little bit because uh, I, think, I think we need that support at the moment. And the only way we can do it is by showing it in a good, going, yep, showing falconry in a good light. I really do, yeah, and controlling, you know, controlling the narrative and and yeah. doing our best to, yeah. I mean, just making sure that people really truly understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. I agree. Well, I think you know now would be a good time to go ahead and just transition to, you know, I mean, what what started you in falconry? What got you interested? What, what was the moment? I was like many many young Yorkshire lads. And at the time, the film Kez was out, and I've <laughs> got to say that has had such an impact on so many people in a lot of in a lot of facets, a lot of. Um, but there was that th that thing. So, and it, and it was you know it was a film that was memorable for a lot of people. Um, and then I um, had an opportunity where I'm, where my wife went on um, on a falconry course down um, down in Gloucestershire and uh, we'd got an interest in birds of prey and she she went there and then came back and returned with um with a pair of common don't like saying common European <laughs> buzzards um that had been loaned to us to uh, to sort of see how you go on with those which was fantastic and a real opportunity. And uh, as you can imagine, I was I was told many times about why how I was doing things wrong. And <laughs> <laughs> but you know, between us, we both had an interest. So between us, we we sort of developed from there and had a had a number of birds and have had a number of birds at the time. So I'm talking maybe 30, 32 years ago. Um, there wasn't the internet. There wasn't the, you know, there wasn't the social media to to rely upon. So you had to sort of, um, I suppose, learn you, not learn by your mistakes. That's the wrong thing to to be doing. I think when you're involving an animal, but to to reason it through. If I do this, this might be the result. If I do that. That's definitely going to be the result, you know, <laughs> and I'm going to end up being uh, on the wrong end of a, a bird's claws, you know, or something. <laughs> um, so we sort of learned, learned together and developed, you know, we sort of developed what we were doing and uh, um, and developed our knowledge. I would like to think. Um, I'm sure we've picked up one or two things over the years, you know, <laughs> but... Um, yeah, there was a sort of quite, um, there were clubs available that didn't always appear to be welcoming. And I can understand that because at the time there were some real strong um, 
animal liberation groups that, that you know, pe people who were involved in any hunting had to be, I think, aware of and perhaps wary of even. Um, so I can understand that the clubs weren't so um, so perhaps welcoming to novices. Um, I think that's significantly changed, and I think most clubs uh, in the UK are, um, are, are very helpful, very welcoming, really will try and guide people. Um, but, it, yeah, as I say, we've continued, you know, we've had some good good times, some good opportunities to go go to other, other countries, experience, you know, Falconry experiences all over, um, and it's uh, we've had a good a good time doing it, and I still have fun, and still have, you know, no matter how bad the weather gets, no matter how how grim or how poorly the birds perform, um, still have fun doing it, and meet with friends, and we do it, and. People I've not seen for a long time. All we're all we're talking about all the time. All we're messaging each other about is is about the falcons or the, or the birds, you know, the hawks, and um, where are you up to now? And all this. So there's a, like a common interest, you know. The common interest is also, you know, a, a real good social social group. Really, I think. Well, what have you been up to now? And what what has been your kind of most recent? I mean, um, what what have you been flying recently? And, so uh, so recently, I've been flying, and and over the last ten years, I've, I've been flying um, a Harris Hawk. Um, at times, maligned in the UK, you know, in deference to the the goshawks, and uh, you know, I've flown goshawks, I've flown long wings. The same in the states. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's fine. But um, but I've, uh, you know. Uh, uh, Harris Hart that's coming up to his, I say, his tenth season this coming winter in the UK, um, and he's tremendous. He's probably the the best bird that I've had, and I have so much uh, so much fun with him, and uh, he's quite successful. Is very successful. Is very clever as Henry Sharks are as a species, and I think I think the people that malign them perhaps don't ever fly them to try to get the best out of them. <laughs> and I think if you if you put the time in, I suppose it could be said across across the any involvement with animals. If you put the time in, you get the rewards. But I I really do a pre, you know sort of fly my little Harris Hawk who has a heart that's as you know as as big as an ox and he'll just keep trying and trying and is very very loyal and um, and bonded um, cap captive bred not an imprint um, and I just enjoy every time I go out with him the advantage I, uh, that I have with him is if I go out with um, with friends is that he will respond to them not quite as much as he will with me but he will respond to them so I can always give somebody the opportunity to uh, you know put the glove on okay hold your hand up and off we go and uh, and um, I never I, ne I would never I can remember the first time a bird flew, flew free back to me and back to the fist and that feeling and I never forget that and I never overlook that so if I can even if it's just somebody who's, who's come to watch or somebody who's I can give them the opportunity to well fly him to you have you ever had a bird fly to you fly him to you I'm not talking about doing displays I'm not talking about you know sort of you know anything other than giving somebody the opportunity and then Hopefully they go away and think, "Wow, that was that was tremendous," and they understand a little bit more about the feeling that you have. Certainly with the Harris, where it's following you, saw you know my bird will go on the saw, 
when he's soaring above you, but then comes in and checks the checks, you know, the glove every time you put your <laughs> hand up and and that sort of thing. And I and I love it now. I just think, you know, if um, if people get that ex that brief exposure to what we're doing and go away happy and go away thinking a little bit more about it and it's got to be uh, say a good a good sort of re reflection on what we're doing sure yeah i mean harris is especially are a great pr bird usually yeah you know i mean do you um i mean do you have dogs at all do you incorporate dogs in, in your falcon I, I, too, I do and um it's, it's difficult i have uh, i have a, a vizsla and uh, and a um spaniel the spaniel works very very hard and very very quickly <laughs> and sometimes just a little bit too quick for the um for the harris hawk but i also use um you know it's customary in the, in the uk to use ferrets to bolt rabbits um so i have ferrets as well and and you know it's um that's all part of the team well, describe that a little bit then, because I mean, I've I've talked to other guys that have used ferrets, but it's kind of more just been like uh, in passing. But I mean, how did you go about training them to do that and incorporate them, especially with with a hawk? So a ferret's essentially a, a big stoat or a weasel. It will go down to ground. Some are better than others, at, at, and and what you're hoping for is that when you Put the um, put the ferret down into a into a rabbit hole. Is that it'll check the warren. It'll let you know if the, you know you'll it'll very quickly pick up on any movement down there. Um, and you're hoping that the rabbit will bolt and that you'll produce a chase. What the Harris hawks do, and I would suggest goshawks to an extent, European goshawks to an extent, they realise that they're um, that the ferret is part of the the team. Obviously, with a with a Harris Hawk being a social hunter, it, it, it's far easier. But there's also, but I think some something about the way that a rabbit moves when it's being chased from its burrow. That's um, very different to how a ferret moves when it comes out. A ferret comes out and looks and almost sort of that meerkat thing of looking around where did it go where did it go um but they do have a quite um quite a relationship and and a, a, say a part of the working team and you would start that by just letting the hawk be somewhere perched where it where it can actually see the the hawk uh, the ferret um in the initial stages i think in um in the last 20 years, I've only seen one Harris Hawk attempt to <laughs> catch a ferret. <laughs> yeah. And it didn't go particularly well. It wasn't a good experience for either of them. It was a juvenile hawk that I think was perhaps being flown a little bit to appetite more than, <laughs> more than anything. Um, and it swooped in took hold of the ferret which is not going to surrender to a hawk and uh, quick a quick nip i think of the foot of the bird's foot and um and it it suddenly let go yeah. you know lesson so, learned lesson learned yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, I, and i say that's probably once in the last 20 years that i've, I've seen that so i think if they're introduced together but it certainly does you can almost sense that as you put the ferret down very quickly you can hear sometimes the rabbit running around so there's the anticipation there and that's one thing for me with um hunting rabbits with a hawk it's that anticipation that that's the exciting the exciting thing then you get the flight then hopefully you get the catch and and you do what what we do in, in dispatch and and um move on to the next flight whether it's your bird or you know or, or somebody else's bird 
Well, and as far as the actual training of the ferret, you know, I don't really know anything about that either. I mean, is there really anything you have well, to do to train the ferret? Or? Well, the, not particularly because the, it, it's just so instinctive. It's just an yeah. instinctive yeah. thing for them to to want to go in, and they're just very inquisitive. Um, gen, I mean, generally, um, they are um, they're fairly dormant. They will sleep something like sixteen hours a day. <laughs> But then when they're active and they do become very active and then a thing there's a thing of personal preference as to whether it's the sort of the bigger males that you use or the small the females are generally smaller um i have both so I, t invariably i will use the small female um if i think there's rabbits that are really um stay into ground and not wish into bolt then i might use the bigger one and and he'll you know a, a rabbit will run past a small ferret in the burrow and push its way past it um but with a with a bigger male ferret perhaps not so easily you know and <laughs> and, and creates the bolt so i do like using you know i'll use both but i do like using the bigger hob the other thing is that is because he's bigger he's having to move a little bit slower around the around the rabbit warren so that gives the rabbit the opportunity to to leave the warren and to bolt and create that that chase you know and um but in terms of training no other than regular handling and you know so that they're familiar with you some ferrets come out of a rabbit warren if certainly if they've chased been up behind a rabbit come out and they're a Rear. bit fiery yeah, rearing to go <laughs> and a bit <Yeah>. fiery and, <laughs> and that's where you sort of your handling has to come in that you you know you, it it knows that you know your your hand's not anything like a bunny <laughs> rabbit to, to try and grab hold of yeah it's yeah well, I enjoy it. I enjoy it all. And, it, you know, if, there are times when you just sit at the end of the day and you, you might have your bird, you're feeding your bird up, you've, you've got the ferret there and everything's everything's good with the world, you know, and you, you just get on with the, you know, what are we doing tomorrow? Yeah. Don't feed him too much, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, and that's a good problem to have, you know, whenever yeah. you're thinking ahead and, and kind of reflecting on the, the success of the day. And Yeah. 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 yeah well, and, and so I guess now would also be a good time to talk about, I mean, one, one of those one or two favorite or memorable stories that you have, you know, what there's always at least one or two that come to mind, but I mean – what uh i mean what story is kind of like one of your your favorites that always kind of just pops in when you when you kind of reminisce oh my there's so there are so many and i've had such <laughs> such good fun particularly with this last with this harry shot that i've got at the moment um but yeah so just so it's hard to it's hard to um, sort of separate one from from the rest because it's just that general. It really is a general thing of of that bond of of working with the animal. Um, I've had some moments where things haven't gone to plan, and <laughs> you know, um, I'd like to pretend that they had gone to plan, you know. But I've had some tremendous chases. Of, um, had one that I was out with um, with some people who I didn't know particularly well, and and the bird went across a valley. There'd been some heavy rain up in Yorkshire, heavy rain, and what should have been pretty much a, 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 st a stream that you could step over wasn't, and it was a fairly torrential, <laughs> and the bird. Despite the fact that it was, everything was against us, it was wet and one thing or another, um, it took off and chased and caught um, a hen pheasant. Um, but on the other side of the stream, on the other side of this little <laughs> valley, suddenly there's a tumble and they ended up in the, in the water. Um, and obviously I'm quite alarmed at that but couldn't quickly get to them 
to the bird or the pheasant, I ended up using my, uh, you know, telemetry system and tracking the bird and thinking, no, it's, you know, it, it just seemed incredible how far away and, and the signal that was getting so far away and can't be, I've not even seen him sort of get back to the air or anything. Um, as time went on, it, it, <laughs> the tension started growing and I had to say to these people, you know, just let me go and find my bird now because this is getting serious and uh, it was quite a steep incline on on the sides of these this valley and i thought i'm now getting a stronger signal and i'm still checking in and checking and the bird just ended up i just thought this is very close now that's just sawing and he'd walked up this hillside, <laughs> and I mean, you know, maybe a one in four, one in five hillside, steep incline, and walked back to me. <laughs> Not with the pheasant, unfortunately, but <laughs> it was absolutely drenched, and I think I think he was just so wet that he couldn't he couldn't have got back to me by flying, and but still he made the effort to come back to me, and I thought, wow, that you know, it all went wrong. <laughs> but at least he's come back to me. Yeah. I sat there, wrapped him up in a towel and uh, and inside my jacket, warmed him up. <laughs> and 20 minutes later, he's off again as though nothing had happened. And I thought, yeah, this, this is, you know, again, a good day. Um, <laughs> albeit it could have gone drastically wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's always tough whenever you have to come home empty-handed after something that, you know, you know that, it would have been nice to have the, the pheasant in hand, you know, and yeah, yeah. everything at the end of the day. But, you know, it's it's one of those um, falconry cliches that we often refer back to anytime you come home with your bird in the box. You know, it's been a good day. A good and, day, yeah. yeah. As, Absolutely. As the saying goes. But, um, well, that's great. And, you know, I mean, like I said, it's, it's always nice talking to, you know, fellow Harris Hawkers and stuff, yeah. too, so we can, you know, just kind of – get a, a, an occasional rib into the uh the other ostringers you know and stuff yeah and the, you know yeah. the the, the goshawk flyers and stuff it's it's an ongoing joke with my group so i, d I do often go out with a with a friend who has a goshawk mm -hmm. um and he's made one or two significant comments and one of the things he, and he's flown harris hawks in the past and he said to me at one point with a with a Harris Hawk like that, you don't need a goshawk <laughs> because of the way that, that my particular bird will fly. Um, and that there is always, always some comment made between us about his bird sitting in the tree. We'll just sit down and wait. I'll go back to the, I'll go back to the vehicle and, um, while you catch your bird up and, uh, you know, and then when he's seen mine and I've, I've just whistled him, and he's returned from the saw straight to, straight to the glove, and he and he he's sort of um, you know he's 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 said to other people, and that's how to recall a Harris hawk and things like that, you know. <laughs> so he does a, sort of appreciate what we get, but there is always that little uh, niggle between the uh, the Harris hawkers and the Goss hawkers, I think, and it. And so what? As long as it's uh, as long as it's not uh, not with any malice. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes even if there is malice, sometimes it makes it even more fun. Occasionally, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's, let's just be let's just be real. I mean, come on, we 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 can afford to be a little politically incorrect, you know, at times. I mean, it is fun to kind of to to rib to that degree, you know. Yeah. So, well, and I, I guess you know we it would be a a good note to end on, like we usually do, and or like I usually do with with people, and and have been for a while. I mean, what what do you think would be the best piece of advice that you can think of to or a sentiment that you can think to maybe leave current and you know prospective falconers? And I think with with any animal, the the, the classic one has got to be. Don't ever think that you've seen it all or know it all, <laughs> because you, that's the time when you'll be proved wrong. Um, and just be, you know, be be willing to listen, you know, and and learn from it. Because sometimes some some of the older guys like me um, have seen a lot of stuff and have a lot of experiences, and you don't have to do make mistakes 
to learn from them. You, you can learn from other people's experiences, not necessarily the mistakes, but the but their experiences. If, and again, if people have been open and honest, you know, sometimes we have bad days. But, you know, move on to the next morning, I think. Move on to the next morning and just just keep going with it. It's really, uh, I, I love it. I love it and I always have. Uh, whichever bird I'm flying and and I have I've messed with um and I mean messed with goshawks <laughs> but they're not you don't have the bond lacquer like with the Harish hawk I don't think but uh, yeah as I say just um try not to ever think that you know it all is the <laughs> perhaps the the best bit of advice I'd give it, give to people perfect well hopefully we can I don't know, like, you know, apologies to also the people that have been listening to this and also been hearing the torrential downpour, you know, yeah. and, you know, I tried my best to clean up the audio as much as possible, but it's been interesting just hearing just this torrential downpour come and go, this whole conversation, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and, um, you know, hopefully, I mean, that's the great thing about meats too, is ultimately you do want to see hunting, but at the same time, it's always nice to sit and, and have conversations and socialize yeah, sure. and, and, um, you know, get to meet and, and, you know, kind of converse with, with other falconers like yourself that are from other places and, and you meet for the first time. So yeah. now this has been very enjoyable. And, um, I mean, is there any last thing that you can think of? To, no, no, you know, no, yeah. no, no. I will talk about hawks forever and a day, but let's let's not get into that. <laughs> well, fair enough. Well, I guess we can go ahead and, and call this good then, and and um, yeah, we can just kind of hang out for a bit and yeah, see what the rest of the of the day brings. I yeah, guess. sure. So, you know, looks like it might brighten up now. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. I'm sure that we'll be fooled and it'll start just <laughs> freaking deluging again here any second. But um, anyway, it's been nice meeting you, Steve. And, um, you know, like I said, I appreciate you doing this on kind of short notice. And uh, no worries. You know, no worries. And, you know, like I said, it's been a good talk. So good. good. All right. Thank you.